me excited to share this morning. Um, I feel like God's really placed this in my heart. And I feel like uh, Pastor Charlie had asked me to share, and I was, I was more than uh, willing to jump on it because I felt like this was something God has kind of given me to share on for quite some time. Um, but who here feels like they're going through kind of a tough time right now, right? I see some hands raised, okay. And, and you kind of feel like when you're going through that, when it rains, it pours, right? It just never seems to just stop. It's just like it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And I think some of us feel that way. And some of you that have probably are saying that you don't feel that way every once in a while, either you're lying, okay, I'm just saying now, you're either lying, or you're lying. So those are really the only two options, okay? So um, you're going to go through these times at some point in your life where you feel like you're, everything is just coming against you, okay? And I titled this message this morning, The Valley, because that sometimes is the way we feel, Right? We feel like we're at those lowest points in our life. And some of you may be, you know, thinking, well, let's be a little more positive. I'm telling you this morning, I am positive you're going to go through a valley. Okay? And in fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13, says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. It sounds really fun, doesn't it? You know, that's just the way it is, though, that Paul wrote this, and I love the fact that he says, don't even consider it strange, because what he's saying is, is guess what? It's going to be normal. And that's why he says, don't consider it strange, is because it's something that you're going to go through in your life. You're going to go through a valley, and guess what? You're probably not just going to go through one. You're going to go through multiple valleys in your life, and we're going to go through multiple hardships, and he says rejoice in those things, which is not always easy to do, right? And I want to talk to you this morning about what you do, though, while you're in the valley. I think we've all, I don't know, I've got a lot of feedback here, Justin, if you could maybe turn that down. I want to talk to you about what you do in the valley. So many times we, you know, we've heard probably messages of how you can get out of the, the storm, right, or out of the valley. We've heard messages like that, but I want to talk this morning about what do you actually do when you're in the valley. Because like I said, I promise you, you will go through a valley at some point. But the thing is, though, is what do we do when we're in the valley? Okay? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We all are going to go in a valley and we're all going to come out of them. It, it happens. Okay? But I want to talk about what do, we, what do we do when we feel like we're in the middle of the valley, when we feel like we can't get out? Okay? When it feels like everything is coming upon us, everything's the rain is pouring on us, we, can't feel, we feel like we can't climb out. So let's get right into it. We're going to spend some time in the book of Habakkuk. Some of you guys just gave me a weird look. Yes, there's a book in the Bible called Habakkuk. Okay? Um, and some of you that probably uh, know there's a book in the Bible called Habakkuk are wondering why in the world I would share on Habakkuk. But I, uh, and I'll be honest, I have not spent a lot of time in, in this book until just probably over the last probably three or four months. And I've listened to Pastor Craig Rochelle, and I've, I've read part of his book um, that he has, Hope in the Darkness, um, as well as uh, listening to Pastor Chris Hodges and then, of course, our own pastor. And I found that Habakkuk really struck a chord with me. And I think he'll struck a chord with a lot of us. Um, and so I kind of took some thoughts from the other pastors and added some of my own thoughts to it that I feel like God's given me. And in Habakkuk, there's only three chapters. It's a very small book, very small book. It's only got three chapters in it. We're not going to spend really a lot of time in chapters one or two this morning, 
but we're going to put most of our focus into chapter 3. But let me give you a little backstory for those of you that don't know who Habakkuk is. Habakkuk was a, uh, is a minor prophet in the Old Testament. It happened approximately about 600 B.C. for those scholars out there that want to know that. It was around 600 B.C., and Habakkuk was a little bit different, though, than most of the prophets, okay? Most prophets, they would get what God was telling them, and they would share it to the people, okay? That's what most prophets did, right? They'd get this message from God. They'd be like, either you change your ways, or we're gonna do, it, God's going to destroy you, or God says to do this, or God says to do that. Habakkuk, though, is a little bit different. What he does is he actually talks to God on behalf of the people. And he's one of the few prophets that actually do that. And I would re- recommend that all of you probably read Habakkuk at some time or another because I think he's a lot like us. Okay? When you read the book of Habakkuk, he is very straightforward, it's very raw, and it's very emotional. Okay? Because really what he's doing is he's, he was essentially saying to God, I don't know what you are, I, I don't like what you're doing right now. I wish you were doing something else. How many of us have said that? Mostly when we're in the valley, right? I don't like what I'm going through right now. I wish I, wish I was going through something else. And we sometimes say that to God. It's like, God, you put me here, even though we know that's not true, right? And I wish you were doing something else to get me out of where I'm at right now. And that's what Habakkuk was saying. He's like, he was essentially saying, I don't like what you're doing. I wish you were doing something else. And many of us have said that. In Habakkuk, he pretty much is saying, God, why are you not fair? How many of us have said that? Right? How, why do you not seem fair? And in chapter 1, Habakkuk is wondering why what he sees with his eyes is so different than what he believes in his heart. So many times we believe God can do something and we think he will, but he doesn't sometimes just the truth right and Habakkuk is saying God you don't seem fair you this is how I feel in my heart this is what the promises that you've laid out and yet that's not what I'm seeing with my eyes so why are you not fair why is this happening and you know I've been through that personally myself I remember when my mom was diagnosed with with brain cancer and she passed away at 36 and I'm thinking to myself God she read the Bible she was a part of the church. She spent time in prayer. She loved people. She loved you. Why? Why are you not fair? There's plenty of people out there that aren't following you. There's plenty of people out there that probably curse your name. But why? And that's what Habakkuk is saying. He's like, I don't understand. I, it, all these things you've laid out, but why are you not fair? That's what I love about Habakkuk. He's, he's straightforward. He's raw. Okay, And in chapter 2, it's all about waiting. Chapter 1, he's like, God, where are you? But chapter 2, God speaks to Habakkuk. He finally does. He speaks to him and, and says, I'm going to do something. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, which were your enemies, and they're going to destroy you. Oofta. <laughs> By the way, I learned that word because my wife's Norwegian. So, um, but not exactly what you want to hear. Right? You're saying to yourself, you're sitting there and you're, God, where are you? And God speaks and says, I'm sending the Babylonians and they're going to destroy you. Not something that uh, would be really exciting for a response, is it? Not exactly what we wanted to hear from God. 
And if you're Habakkuk, you're thinking, okay, first I was confused, and now I'm even more confused. Hear me, some of you guys this morning are in this chapter two of what I would say is the waiting time frame. Okay? God's given you a promise. God's maybe told you what, a vision for your life, and you're just waiting. I want to give you a verse, though, that, that goes with this. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, what does it say? Oh, we can say it louder than that. What does it say? Wait for it. it says, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It says, wait for it. It's going to come. Some of you are waiting for the promise that God has given you. The problem is, is we're running out of patience sometimes, right? Well, you just have to wait for it. When it isn't God's time, guess what? You can't force it. When it's not God's time, you can't force it. And guess what? When it's God's time, you can't stop it. Okay? When God's going to do something and when he has an appointed time for the vision that he has and the purpose that he has for your life. And let me tell you, every single person here this morning has a purpose and a promise that God already has for you. In fact, I love, if you haven't been through our growth track, I love in in our step one, Pastor Charlie talks about is is that God actually has dreams uh, for you. How, How amazing is that? He, he has dreams for you because guess what? He doesn't want you to be here. He wants you to be here. All you have to do is wait for it. Know that his timing is the perfect timing. All right, so now let's, let's go ahead and get to what I really want to talk about. That was all free this morning. That was good. All right, in chapter 3, there's a change in the tone, though. Okay? All through chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's this angst. There's impatience. There's frustration, there's agony, and there's disappointment. God, why are you not doing what I want you to do? And some of you are in that boat this morning. Okay? But let me get you to the last verse in chapter 2. If you could put that up there. It says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So there's all this, this frustration, this impatience, agony, disappointment. And he ends chapter 2 with saying, The Lord is in his holy temple. What do you think that that means? He's saying he's still there. Even when you're in the valley, even though when you feel like you're in darkness, God is still there. And I got something for you this morning. God is still good even when you're going through the valley. And that's what I love about this in that last verse is he says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. He is still sitting there. He's sitting on his throne no matter what you're going through right now. And I love how he also finishes, he says, let all the earth keep silence before him. It comes to my favorite verse in the Bible, Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know what? That I am God. Be still and know who I am. I am the King of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. And some of you that are struggling right now in your waiting time, this is an important verse for you. Because sometimes what happens when, we, when we're impatient, we're, we start getting jumpy, right? And sometimes we want to like just go do before, before God tells us to, right? I look at it as like, okay, so we have all this snow out there. I'm like one of those people I like to have my driveway clean. 
Does anybody like that? Okay. Sometimes, sometimes though, the best thing to do is wait for all the snow to come. <laughs> right? Because otherwise you find yourself out there multiple times. Right? Yeah, all day long. But the thing is, though, is, is, is because it's like I'm impatient. I'm like, I'm seeing snow on the driveway. And anybody who knows me, I'm a little OCD. So, like, for me, I'm like, it's got to be clean. Well, it's okay to be patient and wait for all the snow to fall before you go out there. So I only have to do it once. And that's how it is with God sometimes. Is God's like, hey, just be patient. Be still. Know that I'm on the throne and I am God. All right? So what do you do when life gets difficult? When everything is going great and everything is going your way, you feel like you're on the mountaintop, don't you? You feel like you're on top of the world? Then something happens. Maybe you lose your job. You get bad news. You pray for something and you don't get what you pray for. You experience what Henry Blackaby, if you don't know who Henry Blackaby is, he's a great author. He calls it the crisis of belief. You're sitting here on the mountaintop and something happens, and you come down towards the valley, and you hit what's called the crisis of belief. And sometimes we want to try, we try to get back up to that mountaintop. So we try to go back to what we were doing before, even though that maybe God's called us to something different. The problem is, is that sometimes when God's called you to do something different, and you start coming down, you're going all the way down. Okay? Because God's told you to move forward, not to go back. Some of us maybe go completely away from God because we start questioning maybe what God's told us to do. God, I thought you were going to do this, but now I found myself in a different place. What happens, what happens when what you see with your eyes is different than what you believe in your heart? Your heart? You find yourself in the valley. When you feel like nothing is going right and you feel like God is not answering your prayer... You feel like you're in the valley. Hear me this morning. Some of you are in the valley this morning. Some of you have put out prayers or you've, you've said different things or you, maybe things are going wrong in your life. And you're like, God, where, where are you? Aren't you hearing my prayers? And some of you are crying out to God, believing, where, where are you at this time? Why aren't you fair? And hear me this morning. God is hearing your prayers. Just because we're in the valley does not mean that God is not good. God is always still good, even when we're struggling. Let me give you a couple points this morning. The first thing we need to do when we're in a valley is to remember. It's a simple point, right? To remember. We need to remember how good and faithful God is. Everybody say remember. Remember. We've got to try that again. Everybody say remember. Remember. This is important. Look at verse chapter 3 in Habakkuk 3. 3. It says, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of praise. Now, some of you are probably thinking this means nothing to me. Okay? These places, though, were very meaningful to Habakkuk. The reason was is because these were the two places that God took his people for refuge after delivering them from Egypt and from bondage. So this is very important. He's remembering where God called them to to get out of bondage. Okay, he's saying, God, I remember. I'm remembering when when we thought there wasn't any way. We thought we were going to be in bondage forever, but God, you moved the heart of Pharaoh. 
you split the Red Sea, you destroyed our enemies as they pursued us, and I remember how faithful you were. Okay? I remember how faithful you were. And I want to remind you, this is after chapter 2 where he says, I'm sending the Babylonians to destroy you. He says, I remember how faithful you were. I know your goodness, and I know you can do it again. And I love the fact we sang the song this morning. I love that song. But that's what he's saying. He says, I, you move the mountains. I've seen you move the mountains. I'm asking you to do it again. And in verses 4 through 6, it says, His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hands, and there his power was hidden. He's talking about God. He's, he's expressing who God was. He says, Before him went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. He's saying, God, I remember how faithful you were, how good you are, and I remember your justice. I remember your presence, Father, even, even when we felt like there was no chance. I remember all you did, God. And if you continue to read verse, through verse 10, which I didn't put all of, uh, all of it up there, he continues to remember all that God has done. And sometimes in the valley, we've lost, uh, lost sight and forgot all that God has done in our life. Some of you have lost sight of who God really is. That's why I love what, how Habakkuk writes it here. He's not only calling out on what God did, he's actually kind of saying who he is. He is a brightness. It, his brightness was like a light. So he's not only calling out what God did, but he's calling out who God is. And some of us this morning need to get back to the idea of when we're going through the valley to remember who God really is. And remember how faithful he is. We are in this valley and we just believe sometimes that this is where we're meant to stay and there's no way out. You know what I find interesting about a valley is, is to be in a valley you had to come down from a mountaintop. Right? Everybody understands what a valley is, right? So you had to come down from a hilltop or a mountaintop which means you were up here and now you're down here but most of the time we forget about what happened up here. We forget about the things that God did. We forget about, hey, God gave me a job. God gave me a wonderful wife. God gave me beautiful children. God gave me the finances to buy food. God gave me all these different things. We forget about those things because our focus is now on the valley. And God's saying, you've got to get your focus out of the valley and get your focus back on me. You have to remember how good and how faithful and the promise of, promises of God are. Remember, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is faithful. He's loving. He's our protector. He is our provider. And I could go on for the rest of the service telling you who God is, but what I can, find, can actually say is as God said, I am. And guess what? You can place anything behind that because that's who he is. He is your provider. He is your protector. He is faithful. He is good. He loves you. All those things he is. And guess what? He's there whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley. God doesn't change no matter where you are. He is everything you need any day in every situation on the mountaintop 
and especially when you're in the valley. God is good even when there feels to be no hope. You have a choice, though, to make when you're in the valley. You can either dwell in regret with where you are right now, or you can remember who God really is. You can remember he has a promise and a purpose for you and for your life, and that it's not to live in the valley. That's not God's purpose for your life. He has something greater than that. So what do you do when you're in the valley? You need to remember who God is. The second thing, let me say it like this. When you are going into a valley, the thing is, is you've got to remember, it, God's, God doesn't want us to endure the valley. When you're in the valley, enduring is a passive response to something that is happening to you. But we don't endure when we're in the valley. What we do is we embrace. We embrace and believe God is still good. The thing with Habakkuk is, is he believed the Babylonians were winning, and guess what? They were, because God said they would. He knew things were bad, and they were only going to get worse. But even then, when everything was going on, he still declared, my God is still on the throne. He's still there, no matter what is coming. I know my God is still on the throne. My God has always been good. My God has always been faithful. My God has always provided and Habakkuk, he wasn't in denial. He was looking at the valley in the face and declaring, I will still trust my God with everything that is within me. I'm going to continue to embrace on who God is and who he says he is. In verse 16, it says, when I heard my body tremble. Now, I want to stop right there real quick. This isn't the tremble like, you know, like when I look at my wife's eyes. Okay? It's not the good heart pounding. Okay? All right? This, this, is, this is like, he, he sees what God says is coming. It's, it, I mean, it's a little bit of fear. Okay? He says, when I heard my body tremble, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. And like I said, it, this, was, this was a little bit of fear because of the bad news that was coming, he knew things were only going to get worse. And God just told me that he was going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to destroy my people. He says, it's going to get worse and there's going to be suffering. But then he says in verse 17, it says, though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. None of this sounds good. Okay. Some of you this morning are, came this morning saying, I've been praying and praying and praying for certain things and it hasn't happened. This is what it feels like. He's saying, you know, the, the, even though the fig, if the fig trees aren't blossoming, there's no fruit on the vines. The, the fields, they're not, they're not bearing food. Even though I keep asking God for provision and blessing and I still don't see it. Some of you are here today and you feel that way. You feel like you've been crying out and you're not seeing what you're asking for. And you feel like you're stuck in the valley. But I want you guys to see verse 18. Yet I will exalt in the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Not always easy, is it? 
There's many reasons to not want to rejoice when you're going through the valley. There's many reasons. But I love what Habakkuk says here. He says, he finishes in chapter 2 saying, God, you are still on your throne. And here he is in chapter 3 explaining all these things that are going on. And then he says, yet I will still exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I'm not going to allow the things that are happening in my life to decide what happens to me. I'm putting it all in God's hands. I'm, I'm, giving him, I'm putting my faith in him. In Romans chapter 5, I felt like I had to get a little New Testament in there. Otherwise, you guys would say this is all Old Testament. So Romans chapter 5, verse 8 through 5 says, Not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our spirit through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I feel like this is what Habakkuk is going through. I love what Paul says here. It says, we praise even when we're in trouble. Trouble, though, brings what? Perseverance. And perseverance brings, my favorite part, character. Brings about character and hope, and hope does not disappoint. And I look at this and I think to myself the story of Joseph. Joseph, here he was 17 getting a dream of this great promise of God. Okay? He's got this great dream. He shares it with his brothers. They don't like him much because of it. He gets thrown into a pit. He gets uh, sold into slavery by his brothers. He was accused of raping Potiphar's wife. He was forgotten in jail. But again, the promise of God didn't disappear. It was still having to be done. Joseph was not ready to be second in command of Egypt when he, was at, when he had his dream at 17. Okay? And even though God did not do those bad things to him, he's not the one that threw him into prison. He's not the one that you know, put him into slavery. He's not the, th- the one that did any of that stuff. But the things that Joseph went through built character. It built who he was to become the second most powerful man in Egypt. He saved nations. Most of his story from 17 to about 34 years old does not sound fun. But God, through those times, God was still building character inside of him. It wasn't because God did those things to him, but while he was in there, God was building inside of him. Okay? And some of us are saying, you know, you guys are need to hear that to stop praying, why me, to God. And instead of start saying, God, what can you teach me right now in this valley? What can you teach me that will prepare me for the promise and the purpose you have for my life? This all brings me to my last point. And we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of chapter 3. And this is my favorite part. When you are in the valley, you have to remember. You have to embrace. And you have to praise and worship God. In Habakkuk 3.1, will you go there? A prayer, this would be something that most people would just look over. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shijanoth. Everybody say Shijanoth. And no, you did not just swear in church. Okay? So what, what is Shijanoth? Well, it's the plural of Shijan. I know that answers the question, right? Actually, both words are only used one time each in the Bible. And we don't really know a lot about the word. Actually, in a lot of my studying on it, 
it, it, they actually put it into the tense of almost like the Holy Spirit, is it's very difficult to um, define, okay? The Holy Spirit, as an example, realistically, when they, they were saying it, is, is it was like a breath, but they couldn't really define how it was supposed to be. It was like a, you know, how do you define that, right? It's the same thing with Shijanath. And uh, Shijan, Shijan is only used in Psalms one time, and Shijanath is the only time it's used, is in Habakkuk 3.1. We don't know, like I said, a lot about these words, but what we do know is, is that it's directions on how to sing a song or psalm. All of chapter 3 is actually a song to God. It's a song to God on, on what he, he's talking on behalf of the people. And many people believe that Shijanoth means to give musical direction for a congregation to sing, listen to this, a song with wild, passionate singing, Rapid changes of rhythm, high spirit praise, and vigorous enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. I've heard it this way. It's praise with exclamation points. Some of you need to praise and worship with exclamation points. Especially when you're in the valley. In Habakkuk, here in chapter 3, he's giving all he has in exuberant worship to God before God did what what God was going to do. Hear me this morning. Sometimes the most passionate praise is the praise before the provision. Some of you guys got to get that. We, We love to praise God when we're up here. We love to do it. But it's tough to praise God when we're down here in that valley. But hear me this morning. You need to praise God when you're in that valley before the provision. Don't wait for God to, uh, to put you back here. You need to praise God now. It's, it's praising God not for the what, but for the who. It's not for what you have done. It's not for what I think you're going to do. This is just praise for who you are, for your character, your goodness, your love, and your glory. It's praise for who and not praise for the what. It's praise before anything happens. That's what I love about this word. And by the way, it took me about a week to figure out how to say it. Okay? But it's for the who, not the what. For who God is before God does anything. Look at verse 2. Says God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm and I'm stopped in my tracks, down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them, and as you bring judgment, as you surely must. Remember mercy, God. I've seen you do it. Do it again. And by the way, I did not ask the worship team to sing that song this morning, but I love that it it was sung this morning because it really is. Sometimes we have to say, okay, God, I've seen you move the mountains. And guess what? If you've given your life to Christ this morning, I'm telling you now, you've seen mountains move. And when you're in a valley, sometimes you just got to say, you know what, God, I'm going to praise you because I already know you're going to move the mountains again. Man, I feel good this morning. This is, I feel this is good. Before I'm, before I'm going to praise you, believing you are going to do it again, I'm praising you, God, not for what, you're, what is going on, but who you are. 
You all need to hear me this morning. What do you do when you're in the valley? You shijanoth. <laughs> you praise God with exclamation points. Okay? I love how Habakkuk, his perspective has changed. He may be in the valley. Things are going to get worse. But he says, God, you are still on your throne. And I'm going to praise you with everything. I, I'm going to praise you with everything I have before your provision is even there. And I said, some of you are in the valley this morning. You need to praise God for who he is. Not for what he is going to do, but for who he is. Habakkuk, actually, if you look at the definition of Habakkuk, it means to embrace. That's why I love these three chapters. Because I feel like it's a lot of what we go through. I feel like some of us have been through those things and he, it means to embrace, but embrace, not, not embrace the valley. That's not what he's saying, but to embrace who God is. Embrace who he is in your life. It comes from deep within him. It's a faith that worships when everything is not right. This is a faith that gives God praise when you don't like what you see. Look at the last verse in chapter 3 as I asked Julie to come up. It says, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. What I love about this verse is it shows the valley is just a valley. What surrounds a valley, though? Right? Two hilltops or two mountaintops, whatever way you want to look at it. Okay? That means even though you have maybe come from a mountaintop into the valley... You move from a valley to what? The next mountaintop. He takes me to a new place. He takes me to a more intimate place. He takes me to a place of greater faith. I enjoy God on the mountaintops, but I get to know God in the valley. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads, close your eyes. I just, I thank you, Lord, for who you are, how great you are. Lord, even as we are talking this morning, Lord, I know that maybe some people are going through the valley this morning. I know some people may feel like there's no getting out. There's, there's, there's no way I can climb myself out of where I'm at right now. But Lord, I know how great and how wonderful and how good and faithful you are and no matter what we are going through Lord it does not change the fact of how good you are as our Father Lord I thank you Lord that your love has never changed no matter what we've done and no matter what we've gone through we never want to leave here this morning without taking the opportunity if you've never given your life to Christ and most of the stuff I was talking to about this morning yet Yes, it, I know you probably have felt like you've always been in the valley. You probably have always felt like the rain is coming down on you. That nothing, you've never felt like you've been on the mountaintop. I'm telling you this morning, God called you to way further than the valley. He's called you to the mountaintop. He has a promise and a purpose for your life. If you've never given your life to Christ this morning, all he's waiting for is just for you to, to let him in. It's not, it doesn't take this major step 
to accept God into your life. It, it's, it's really just accepting who he is into you and asking God to just forgive you. And guess what? He has no problem forgiving you from everything you've done. No matter how bad you think it may be, no matter how many times you did, he throws it as far as the east to the west because he doesn't care. He, wants, he just wants to love you. That's all he wants. So if you've never given your life to Christ this morning, if you've never made that decision, I'm just going to ask you to just take one step of faith this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand real quick. There's nobody looking, anybody at all. Raise your hand, put it back down. Anybody at all. All right. Well, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our lives. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that a valley is just a valley. And Lord, I know you call us further than the valley, Lord, that you call us to the mountaintop. You call us to move forward. You call us to that next step. And Lord, I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name.